Untitled Beatles Podcast. Hey, TJ. Oh, sing the whole thing, Tony. I've got seven minutes and seven seconds. <laughs> no, I'll spare you. That was really good. You got, oh, thank you. You, you get the right key. Is that right? Paul's got to do this when he plays it. <laughs> hey, Jude. What key is that in? I'm in F. I, I'm like Paul. We don't need guitar in this, bud. Oh, yeah. That's, well, there's hey, acoustic on it. <laughs> What's the next C? What is C that? then C7. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. But you pulled the key out of thin air. Paul's got to find it. I've been saying this forever. Yes, I do think very fondly of you, but now it's clear. Tony over Macca, Paul Thank over Tony, you. Macca over everything. I think our listeners will agree. Thank you. Uh, thanks for all your kind words. Uh, if you are listening and do enjoy this show, the Untitled Beatles podcast, I'm There's Tony Mendoza. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> That's TJ Shanoff. Hi, TJ. Hey, uh, yeah, it's good to be here, uh, Tony, and we're going to do one of my favorite topics. Every week's a favorite topic. My rare is the topic that's not a favorite, but you know I love those U.S. Capitol albums. You know how much I, my, the poster on my wall is a promo poster from Capitol that's got every U.S. album on Capitol from Meet the Beatles through real music, and it says complete your collection. <laughs> it was over my bed as a kid. I got a new one frame when I bought my first condo, and it sits because you get to see every Capitol album right in front of you. It's really neat. It is neat. Yeah, they're all great. Yeah, these USLPs are tricky and weird. This is a really weird record, in my opinion. We're talking about Hey Jude, which came Freeze, out. Freeze, sing it. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hey, 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 Jude. <laughs> Give me the fat Albert cover. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Jude, don't make it bad. What if Harry Carey had done Hey, Jude uh, at the seventh inning stretch? <laughs> <laughs> I think he thought he did a couple times. All right. <laughs> Let me hear you. Good and loud. Uh, yeah, this is a weird little record. We're going to have fun talking about this. It came out February 26th of 1970 in North America mostly, but also released in Australia, France, Germany, Japan, Spain, Mexico, New Zealand, and South America, some other countries there. So not quite worldwide. For some reason, the UK was not involved with this World release. Star! <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. That and by Felicia, I've never entirely understood. Yeah, what's the origin of that? I forget. I thought it wasn't it clueless or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> Most people want to borrow sugar, they even ketchup. You want to borrow my car? Hell no. The hell on. Well, let me borrow a joint. You need to borrow a job with your broke ass. Always trying to smoke up somebody's shit. The hell on, Felicia. I'm gonna remember that. Remember it. Write it down. Take a picture. I don't give a fuck. Quick. Bye, Felicia. Oh, Friday. It was in Friday. 
The opposite of clueless. <laughs> clueless is Friday with privilege. That's basically exactly. what it is. I know you don't smoke weed. I know this. But I'm going to get you high today. Because it's Friday. You ain't got no job. And you ain't got shit to do. I guess the question is, why? Why did this album come out? This was something, this is like an Alan Klein project. So he renegotiated the Beatles LP output, you know, with EMI or Capital, whatever was going on. And they were going to do one compilation album per year. And because Let It Be was delayed, kept getting delayed and delayed. Sounds familiar. <laughs> mm-hmm. You listening, PJ? <laughs> Carlissimo? <laughs> They decided in February of 1970 to put this record out. So, yeah, it was called Hey Jude. It does feature the song Hey Jude, so good on them. They got that part. How come the Beatles' second album don't feature a song called Second Album? The second album. Twelve precious melodies. Originally, this album was called The Beatles Again. And in fact, it was called that up through manufacturing. In fact, there's still copies out there on the record itself, on the on the labels of the shellac that say Beatles again on there. I, I use shellac as a work-based internet thing to keep in touch with people. <laughs> oh, that's what you use? You're I a shellac use, person? I, I, I use shellac. Hey, you got to message me, shellac me. Shellac shellac Yeah, I don't have a copy of Beatles again, but you can always, at Reckless every few months in Chicago and your local record store, I'm sure, you can find copies that say Beatles. There's no copies that say that on the record itself. In fact, on the album, the only place you see the words, Hey Jude, are on the spine. There's no mention other than the song on the back of the album title. They put stickers on some early pressings, but basically from the early 70s on, you would only know it's Hey Jude by looking at the spine of the record. Yeah, and it's a great cover. It's from the very last photo session over at John's house where they all look very, I don't know. Hashtag over it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's always John. John always thought looked really peculiar because he has the big old red beard and then the hat and, you know, they're all wearing black. There's like a funeral quality to the proceedings here. Right. Isn't he got a hat on the cover there? Yeah. Uh, John's got a hat on uh, and there's a hat that is on one of the statues. Right. Great improv game, by the way. <laughs> hat on the statues. Hat on the statues. <laughs> That's kind of a comedy sports uh, game. <laughs> it's also it was a John Mellencamp single in 85 about American farming. Hat on the statues. Rain on the scarecrow, blood on the plow. Rain on the scarecrow. So Alan Klein kind of gave the project to a guy named Alan Steckler. He's the guy who chose the songs. And I would call this like Past Masters Volume Zero. Because it's like 10 singles and some B-sides from 64, 66, 68, and then 69. 
It's a real hodgepodge. Clocking in at 30-some minutes, Tony, leaving a ton of songs that had not been on a Capitol LP yet off. It's very weird. Like, to really do Past Masters, you need this and rarities. And, you know, one track, I'm Down, which was first on LP in the States on rock and roll music. There's a ton of songs missing from this, and it clocks in at barely 30 minutes. Tony, it was a stopgap, like you said, between Abbey Road and Let It Be. And this thing sold in the middle. Millions made it to number three. It was kept off the top of the charts by Zeppelin two, Simon Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water, and of course, um, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young's Deja Vu. But Abbey Road, when this thing debuted at number three, Abbey Road was still number six. So they were competing as they did many times in the sixties with their own records. It's insane. It's yeah. It's really. I mean, you could call this record unnecessary, but it's a fun listen. It's a fun. It's a weird. I think it's a really weird listen. To be quite honest, so we'll go through, we'll go track by track. And actually, some of these songs we haven't actually covered yet doing these podcasts. But yeah, it was kind of a way to say like, okay, here's some songs that haven't been on albums before in the United States. It's not all of them. And it's, I don't know, maybe they were saving the other ones for future compilations down the road that never really happened. This is obviously before the Red Album and before the Blue Album and all that. But stuff that didn't make it include Love Me Do... Misery, There's a Place, From Me to You, Your Favorite, See Leap Deek, Hard Day's Night, You Mentioned I'm Down, The Inner Light, and then the single version of Get Back. The most egregious thing left off of this is The Inner Light. Arrive without traveling See all without looking Do all without The B-side to Lady Madonna, which is on here, it makes no sense. I would argue George's best foray into Indian music, at least my favorite, not on this is almost unforgivable. You're unforgivable. <laughs> Do you remember when Kraft had a cheese snack called Crumbles? <laughs> Great, because everyone likes eating crumbled bad cheese. And the commercial, the guy aping the same voice went, you crumbelievable. <laughs> I might be making that up, but I feel like it's real. You crumbelievable. New craft crumbles. Good. They're crumbelievable. And try new craft crumbles and three cheese and mozzarella. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like advertising to me. <laughs> well, the album is uh, it's in chronological order. Mostly, um, right? Mostly. Yeah, mostly, right? Yeah, you're right. Mostly. Yeah, side two gets a little out of order. You're right. No, you're out of order. <laughs> you are out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. It's mostly in chronological order. And well, Tony, the cassette opens with Hey Jude. Right, right. That's like the eight track does too. There's, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's that craziness too. Which, it makes sense. So, yeah, why did they call this album Hey Jude? Because, well, that was the best-selling single that the Beatles ever had. It was on the charts for nine weeks at number one. Number one. And it wasn't on an album. You know, the only way you could hear Hey Jude was to get the 45. So this would be, yeah, it makes sense financially. Well, and Tony, the only way to hear the 45 was also in mono. There was no stereo Hey Jude until this album came out. So that's another service that it gave. 
was yeah. the album Totally in Stereo. A few of the tracks are mixed in stereo for the very first time. Yes, the songs Rain, Lady Madonna, and Revolution also got stereo mixes for the first time for this album. So, you know, that's cool if you want to hear, you know, cool, different mix, right? <laughs> and Paperback Writer, the original stereo mix was on a collection of Beatles oldies, uh, yes. which was only in the UK. But there's a, I think it's a slightly different stereo mix. I should say, I want to shout somebody out right now. We mentioned some great Beatle authors on our last podcast Bruce Spizer, based in New Orleans, all, I hope he and his family are okay after some of the devastating weather we've seen. But Bruce Spizer's books, and the book in particular on the Beatles' output on Apple, I learned a lot about this record, and it's a record I already knew about. This is one of, this and Meet the Beatles, Tony, were the first real Beatles eight tracks we ever heard in our car after we saw Beatlemania. Oh, wow. And I'll never forget, rain cuts off in the middle. They fade rain out, (laughs) and rain fades back in. Um, eight tracks, man. <laughs> yeah, but this is how. Uh, so this album, in my then six-year-old head, seven-year-old head, can't buy me love, and I should have known better. Should go right into paperback writer. Like it, it's it's the strangest. Oh, that's funny to me. Yeah, this in my mind was part of the Beatles canon because it was all even on that poster I'm looking at, Tony. White Album, Yellow Submarine, Abbey Road, Hey Jude, Let It Be. It was like part of the discography up through the CD releases in 87. It's it's an important record. It sold millions and millions of copies. It was always one of their biggest sellers because it featured their biggest song. Yeah, that's so funny to me. Yeah, we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to discuss that because to me, going from Can't Buy Me Love, I Should Have Known Better into Paperback Writer is just really weird to me. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's like, and not since yesterday and today have we seen anything like this in the States. I mean, Revolver mm-hmm. too, but that's just songs erased, not different songs yeah. added. Castrated Revolver. Yeah. Yeah. Castrated John Revolver. That's the worst part about it is. <laughs> yeah. Revolver, which has got about two songs on it? One maybe? Yeah. Well, let's do it. Let's go track by track on Hey Jude. 1970 u.s north american release all right yes so the album hey jude opens up with can't buy me love <laughs> just right off the bat i'm like what is going on uh-huh. in in 1970 <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah this song is such a far cry from where they are at in 1970 you know, so maybe there's a bit of nostalgia going on here for like, oh, yeah, maybe this is like a retrospective kind of a thing. It's a great opener. It's an upbeat, high energy song. Now, see, I've never liked this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 it's amazing. And it's a testament to the fact that, yes, it's the last things we just heard the Beatles do. I mean, other than Her Majesty, obviously, is the Abbey Road medley. And then the next new Beatles album product after Abbey Road, you're opening with Can't Buy Me Love. Yeah. It's wild. It works because it's the Beatles and Can't Buy Me Love sounds dated for the Beatles, but does not sound dated for eras in history. The beauty of the early Beatles stuff to me is it's still early Beatles, early Motown, early Stones. And I mean, there's other great stuff, obviously, Kinks, Who, but like those three things still sound fresh 50, 60 years later. That's what's so impressive. And Can't Buy Me Love certainly satisfies that. It still sounds fresh for 1970s ears. Can't buy me love.
that makes you feel alright I'll get you anything, my friend, if it makes you feel alright Cause I don't care too much for money, but money can buy me love I'll give you all I've got to give if you say you love me too I may not have a lot to give, but what I got I'll give to you It was a number one worldwide Can't Buy Me Love when it was released. It was their sixth British single, mostly written by Paul at uh, the George V Hotel, as you would say, TJ. Right, like Beatles VI. Yeah, like Beatles VI Warshawski. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, early in 1964, and it was recorded at EMI in Paris. And then later at Abbey Road, Paul overdubbed vocals and George overdubbed his guitar solo. And that was on George's 21st birthday, February 25th, 1964. Now, did you ever notice that? I didn't really ever notice that, but the guitar solo, they couldn't erase it off the Paris recording. So he just recorded a new one over it. And that's why it sounds like it's double track. Yes, it sounds like it's it's ghosted a bit yeah. in the background. Yeah. There's a moment in Paul's solo career that's always sounded like that. The listen to what the man said, the original version of that from Venus and Mars. I mean, one of my five favorite Paul McCartney songs ever. The vocals sound so overdubbed on top of the track. <laughs> I've just always heard the, the, those stacked almost 10 cc harmonies. Oh, yes, indeed. We know that people will find a way to go no matter what the man said. Love is fine for all we know. For all we know, our love will grow. That's what the And yeah, this is one, too, that feels sewn on. But that's one of the reasons, and this is only in stereo and Hey Jude, Tony, Can't Buy Me Love, like we talked about a year ago, is an ultimate mono song. <laughs> I want to hear it in mono because it just sounds tidier and more more punch. So a few songs on this record I'd rather hear in mono. Yeah, totally, totally. This is another song that starts with the chorus, a la She Loves You, which I believe was a George Martin suggestion. Here's something I learned. That mono version actually has a hi-hat overdub that Norman Smith did. The engineer, Norman Smith, Norman Hurricane Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? No way. Yeah. And it's it's just in certain parts. It was something got the tape got damaged or something f coming from Paris or something. So some of the high end got torn off or something. So that affected the hi-hat sound. And the Beatles were busy filming Hard Day's Night at the time. So... They just kind of came in, punched in, and Norman Smith laid out some whatever open hi-hat to cover those uh, trebly gaps. So Norman Smith is the original Bernard Prudy Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. <laughs> Another fun fact, this was the first Beatles single to feature just one singer. Obviously not counting the call and response version that we hear on Anthology. Say you love me too. I may not have a lot to give, but what I got, I'll give to you. 
Which I still prefer, the more countrified version of the song. Yeah. I think we both prefer the, the ultra-rare tracks, Anthology 1 version of this. Me too, yeah. But this song's undeniable. This song, actually, I grew to love this when it opened the Beatles cartoons. Oh, yeah. There's a couple different openings. One uses a Hard Day's Night, and the one that we used to watch in reruns opened with Can't Buy Me Love with the same Hard Day's Night energy running down the, the fire escape and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, this is what a great song. And clearly, if it had sounded dated to Beatle fans in 1970, this album wouldn't have made it to number three and sold millions upon millions of copies. So I think people were still down with Can't Buy Me Love in, in the early spring of 70. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. It, it does make me wonder. I wonder if people mostly played the B-side or what. Who knows? I don't know. And it makes you wonder? <laughs> I Should Have Known Better is the next song, also from Hard Day's Night. Uh, this was the B-side to Hard Day's Night, the single in the U.S. Now, you might be thinking like, wait, I thought that was on Hard Day's Night. Yes, it was. But what was it? United Artists was the label that put the soundtrack album out in the U.S. That's right. Capital didn't get the rights to that album, I think, till 1980. The Let It Be album, and which was on Apple through United Artists, the original Let It Be American Gatefold, Tony, and Hard Day's Night were both out of print for many years. Like, you couldn't walk in a record store and buy the Hard Day's Night soundtrack, a new copy of it in 78, 79. In 1980, Capital finally issued, they, had, they got the rights to both of those when United Artists albums folded. But yeah, I should have known better. This is also the first time it's been in true stereo because the version on A Hard Day's Night, I think, was a duophonic mono mix made to sound like stereo. So the version I was listening to did not have the harmonica dropout. And actually, I forget which version the harmonica dropout version is. I thought it was the stereo version. Am I crazy? I think the harmonica version isn't the dropout in every copy until it was corrected uh, for the 09 reissues. Wasn't the harmonica dropout in both versions? Hmm. This is yeah, this is one. <laughs> this is one that's hard for me to know. I don't know. Well, let's. Here, let's figure it out. And I'll look it up, too, here. See what happens. Just let me check my library here for a sec. Um, uh, I should have... Here we go. Um, I, uh, I'm on the Wikipedia. Oh, no, this is like... Harmon I didn't know there was tablature for harmonica. Stop! Should I put the Hard Day's Night record on real quick? Sure. <laughs> Give me one second here. Okay, this is the stereo, but taken from duophonic mono, and there's no dropout on it. Okay. This. So the dropout stereo on Yes. It. Yeah, because I... Thank you. I just listened to a mono version, there was no dropout, and then I listened to a stereo version from 2009, and there was a dropout. Great. So that means that the version on Hey Jude would... There is a dropout. There is a dropout? Or not? Yeah, in the stereo version. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. Player Hey Jude, what happens? <laughs> Fuck. Sorry, Casey. So on the original stereo Hey Jude album, there's a harmonica dropout. Sorry, Tony, on the original what album? <laughs> hey. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know how you're going to edit around that, Casey, but uh, we owe you <laughs> weed and a drink. Weed and a drink now. Weed, drink. Let's do a pickup in case none of that is usable. Great. Okay. Okay, so we just did a little playback here. We went to the lab. TJ, you have four copies of Hey Jude. I do. Uh, may I tell you what they are? You may. I have an original Apple copy. I does not say Beatles again on it. I have an original 1978 Purple Capital. I have a 1983 Rainbow Capital. And I have, oh, hold on a second. I have a vinyl issue from the small Purple Capital manufactured by Capital label that has a C1 catalog number. And it's the best sounding of all. I'm telling you. The C1 final Beatles vinyl is the best way to hear the stuff on vinyl for all the American Capital stuff. This guy, Wally Trowget, remastered everything, just cleaned up the levels. It's so nice. We found our answer. That's our time for today. Take care. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. Like. So as a song itself, this one doesn't do much. Even Lennon had not much to say about it. Uh, 1980, he said, it's just a song. It doesn't mean a damn thing. And I even remember some American Idol, I think the one Taylor Hicks one or whatever, they had like a Beatles night and uh, somebody sang this song as their Beatles song. And yeah, they got like kicked off or voted low for their song choice. The song is I Should Have Known Better, the singer, Ramiel Malubai. Yeah, I love this song. One of the reasons I love this song is its use in A Hard Day's Night when they're on the train made this song the ultimate train Beatles song. So like an anthology when the trains go into D.C. from uh, New York, you hear this song playing. Oh, Anytime there's a Beatles yeah. train moment, they play the opening chugging harmonica and guitar opener. I think this song is great, great early Beatles. I mean, the whole Hard Day's Night British album you could make a case as a top three or four Beatles album. People dog it because it's not Abbey Road and the White Album and Revolver, and I get it. But of all the early ones, Hard Day's Night holds its own with any Beatles record. I agree. That is definitely my favorite early Beatles record, for sure, by far. Mine's the Beatles with Tony Sheridan. <laughs> well, my body lies over the ocean. <laughs> Pete <laughs> best take a lesson. Filming trivia. Maybe this should be saved for our Hard Day's Night film episode, which we'll do someday. But uh, those train scenes where they're in the car there were actually filmed in a van on the lot at Twickenham. Yes, that is the case. And in the Peter Jackson Let It Be, they edited in uh, scenes <laughs> of an Amtrak. <laughs> well, they got to pay for this thing, man. You got to get sponsors. Yeah. Amtrak. They're all drinking Dr. Peppers, and, <laughs> you know, eating uh, <laughs> that uh, cheese food you were talking about earlier. <laughs> crumbles or whatever. You're crumbelievable. New Kraft Crumbles. <laughs> Intense nuggets of real Kraft cheese crumbled right off the block. Here's where I think it just makes a peculiar leap. Track number three, Paperback Rider, Time Warp, 
Back to the Future, Doc Brown, get in your uh, GNC, whatever. Uh, <laughs> what were those called? Not a Ferrari. What the fuck were the those? GNC, those vitamin trucks. <laughs> GMC. DeLorean, get in your DeLorean. It's only two years ahead, but man, it was a... I feel like we just skipped over a lot of Beatles history there for this kind of uh, what was starting to feel like a retrospective album. To me, it just like you get in your Doc Brown DeLorean and suddenly you're you're at Paperback Writer. The only song from 1966 that they performed on stage. Whatever they're doing, it just like suddenly for me, this record went from like, oh, is this a history thing to hodgepodge? But here's the thing. It's not called this album's not called a collection of Beatles oldies or Beatles greatest hits. There's weird compilations. Um, the Australia Beatles greatest albums. There's weird compilations with weird pairings. Capital treated this like an album, not a retrospective. Yeah, it's just it's just a weird record to me. It's just weird. If we had all the songs that weren't put on albums yet and they were planning on doing these compilations, I just think they would have been better grouped by period. Very much like 62 to 66 and 67 to 7, they could have done that, but they wanted to cash in on Hey Jude. And instead of putting Lady Madonna, Inner Light, Revolution, Old Brown Shoe, etc. on there, maybe waiting a minute to get Let It Be and You Know My Name out there, yeah. that could have been a cool later period not on albums album instead it's this it's just weird it's just weird to me that's all paperback writer great song in this context it just to me it's it's just like a hiccup so you would have put 12 bar original on here <laughs> oh i mean i think yeah yeah i would have <laughs> i mean if we're putting these weird records out why not it it never bugged me because it's still made. It's the Beatles. It's the Beatles. Shut up. Like Paul McCartney says. And then yeah. there's that. There's that. But, yeah. It, but yeah. you know what? I mean, I should have known better is a classic early period song. Paperback writer is a classic mid period song. So they go together. If you, if, if you made a mixtape, nobody would complain about it. This is another one. Paperback writer where you hear like the mono 45. And then when the CDs came out, it was in stereo. This is another one I prefer in mono. The bass is punchier. Lady Madonna, too. A lot of the songs on this record just happen to sound better in mono. I completely agree. Uh, we've talked about the song before. It made our uh, favorite uh, singles collection, I believe. But to reiterate, it was written quickly at John's house in Weybridge. Paul kind of had it en route to his house. He, won, he had this idea of writing this, a song about paperback writers and doing it in the form of a letter, which I, I think it's great. It's it's one of the most exciting songs they have out there. And that's Paul playing a Rickenbacker bass, so he's getting away from the Hoffner. Uh, they used a speaker as a microphone to get a bigger bass sound. And then they put it through ATOC, which I, I think it's uh, Automated Transient Overload Control. I, I hate ATOC. <laughs> She's trying to ruin the country because she don't look like my family. <laughs> God. <laughs> 
get back behind the bar. What do you know about anything? Yeah, I, I stand for blue collar people, but I hate her for being blue collar. <laughs> Says the guy at the end of the bar. <laughs> totally right. So I've had a drink or two and I don't care. I love this song. I think it's great. It's one of my favorite singles. Uh, it's a cool song. In this context, that's always been surprising, but I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's surprising. And Tony, the B-side's an even better song. Much shall appear back writer Rain is one of those great, it's one of the few Beatles deep cuts that exist. Yeah, this is the band playing fast, and then they slowed it down in the studio to give the drums like a more thunderous sound. This is the first stereo mix. Jeff Emmerich and George Martin mixed it specifically for this album. I always thought it was really a surprising slash ballsy, for lack of a better word, choice in the chorus for the drums to just drop out. And it's just a hi-hat keeping the time, especially considering how busy the rest of the song is. accentuates what they're singing so much more having Ringo just kind of backing out his fills one of which op- that intro that opens the song that yeah is such a su- yeah the sh- yeah it's such an arresting opening i mean this is uh, you know i think any fan who knows the beatles for some time would put this among their favorite songs it's maybe their most psychedelic song despite the fact that they hmm. had about a a year and a half of all psychedelic music. Yeah, I think it would rank up there. I think it would rank up there. To me, like Lucy in the Sky and some of those Sgt. Pepper tracks okay. are really psychedelic. I'll give you Lucy. I'll give you Act Naturally. <laughs> well, speaking of Act Naturally, like Ringo considers this one of his best performances. And he's like, I don't even recognize the guy playing those drums. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm new to the Beatles. I think Ringo's best drumming's back in the USSR and Dear Prudence. I think Ringo <laughs> never... How come these guys don't know? And Old Brown Shoe and uh, Ballad of John and Yoko, too. Christ, you know it easy. Now it's starting to feel more like Past Masters eventually would. This is uh, 18 years before Past Masters, but we go Rain into Lady Madonna. Again, first stereo mix. Great song. Did you know? So I didn't know this. The lyrics, or at least the idea, this is Paul. And he was inspired by a photograph he saw of a woman with three children around her. One of them was at her breast. And like it was in a 1965 National Geographic. Yeah, it was like this uh, Malayo-Polynesian woman. But I I saw the photograph for the first time. And uh, yeah, it was cool. I always, I, I don't want to call you out, but I always thought Paul wrote this inspired by the Def Leppard tune photograph. <laughs> <laughs> band, there's some bands I don't get. 
Yeah. Bon Jovi's another one of them, too. Like, you're not classic rock just because you've been around a while. <laughs> so it's the genre that you have the problem with. Well, but you, <laughs> fair. But you know what I mean. Like, I think I know what you mean. Bon Jovi, I can get with because you can sing their songs. I guess you can sing Def Leppard songs, too. But I just I never liked the production on Def Leppard records. Bob Rock and all that, like playing instead of playing guitar chords, they're all playing single notes, uh-huh. like triple, quadruple tracked and screaming. <laughs> I'm sure you don't like the song where they count off in German, right? Is that Gluten, Gluten, Gluten? That one. Yeah, I'm not a not a big fan of that. Lady Madonna is one of my favorites forever, and uh, again, it's great here. This is the album slash eight track. I wish I got to really learn this song and love this song. Once I heard the mono of this, there was no going back. It sounds more like a Fats Domino tune in mono. It just sounds more centered, more direct. I can't explain it. God bless Mono Masters. Lady Madonna, children at your feet. Wonder how you manage to make ends meet. Who finds the money when you pay the rent? Did you think that money was heaven sent? Friday night arrives without a suitcase. Sunday morning creeping like a nun. Yeah, especially on these singles. I think there's a reason why a lot of these single songs sound better in mono. Because I think that's how they're originally intended to be heard. Well, that's why most Cameron Crowe soundtracks, like singles, sound better in mono. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, it's got that unreleased Pearl Jam song on there. So don't don't knock it. Or Mud Honey, whatever it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like Pearl Jam. Why did they cover... took her away from me why did they cover that was it for something i don't know i don't know i can't speak for those cats man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know. <laughs> don't call me daughter don't call me daughter not fit to me. well lady madonna that's john and george playing those fuzzed out guitars through the same amp I thought was pretty cool. And then uh, Ringo has two drum parts on there. The first he did with brushes with Paul. And then later you can hear the sticks laying down the beat more. And the brushes are more of that jazzy thing that you hear going on throughout. which is awesome drumming. Maybe one of Ringo's most underrated drum tracks is Lady Madonna. It's a good one. It's a good one. There were four sax players who were called in at the last minute to improvise these solos. Uh, according to one of them, had there been music, we would have been in and out in 10 minutes. As it was, it took most of the evening. 
Yeah. <laughs> and one of the guys was steamed because they took out a bunch of his parts or they put them real low in the mix or whatever. But it's like, well, hey, man. <laughs> was that Jimmy Scott? <laughs> the original sax player? Um, Ronnie Scott. Not J- Jimmy Scott's the Scott guy. Ronnie Scott's the sax player. Ronnie Scott, yeah, is one of the guys listed. It was Ronnie Scott who was complaining about being removed or buried in the mix, according to Beatles Bible. All right, moving on. Revolution. Now, this is the first, again, the first stereo mix of this, one that John Lennon called a piece of ice cream compared to the mono. Yes, this is another one. Yes. Yeah. But what a great song. What a great record. This was the second version of Revolution to be recorded. The first one being Revolution 1 from the White Album, that slow version with the kind of the Beach Boys backing vocals on it. Which I do not, I, I don't want to say I don't like it, but the first version I ever heard of the song was this one. And this is how the song sounds to me. So that first version that Lennon wanted to put out as a single and really strove for, uh, no, <laughs> no, man. They did the right choice by putting this really crazy, this is the most distortion on any Beatles song there is. But if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you ain't gonna make it with anyone anyhow. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, and to that point, Tony, I feel the same way about Revolution Number 1 that you do. And when I put Revolution on mixes, I use the video version that combines the Beach Boys backing from Paul and George to John singing over the vocal track because it's the best of both worlds. I prefer it in the fast version. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to hear those backups on that version for sure. Yeah. And they get that guitar sound by plugging the guitars directly into the board, which would later like the soundboard. So they're not going through the amp. They're just plugging the guitar straight in and overloading the levels in the board to get that distortion. Um, He may have used a fuzz pedal to also. I don't know. I'm not sure I wasn't there. But that would later become like a punk rock trick in recording to get just like a really heavy uh, distortion sound. And in fact, Nirvana used it on Territorial Pissings, uh, opening side two of Nevermind. That's that's that same trick on Revolution used on that song. 
still think Pearl Jam over Nirvana, right? Can I convince you otherwise? I still think Nirvana <laughs> over Pearl Jam. <laughs> Just fucking with you. I took that bait so hard. <laughs> no, Pearl Jam were the jocks. Suddenly the jocks were wearing plaid when Pearl Jam came out, <laughs> which is that's that was my experience. They're like Nirvana came out and the jocks were like called you homosexual. And then, oh, OK, Pearl Jam. Oh, OK, Pearl Jam is OK for you. OK. I like Eddie Vedder. There's a lot of the, the first like 10 was a big album for me. I liked Vitology. Better Man might be my favorite mm-hmm. song of theirs, actually. Yeah, I I grew to like them, but my teenage response was, oh, the jocks wearing backwards baseball caps are they like Pearl Jam, but don't like Nirvana. So I was like, fuck you guys. As I've said on the show before, I was the college kid in 93 who was pissed that Pearl Jam and Nirvana were holding hope of deliverance back from getting airplay. I'm like, (laughs) how come rock stations won't play fucking come on people? (laughs) That was me. <laughs> I was off the ground thanks to a bong hit or two. <laughs> Another cool thing about the song, though, is that it's, yeah, this was Lennon kind of waking up. This is when he, you know, he's now with Yoko and he'd kind of been in this kind of drug LSD stupor for a couple of years. He said, this is me waking up after lying fallow for a couple of years. I was awake again and they weren't used to it. He felt marginalized by Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour. Which yeah. were, you know, what did he say? Paul was living in the city. John was living in the suburbs. And Paul would say, hey, I got five new songs. Show up with one. Yeah. And not to be excluded in this conversation, Nicky Hopkins playing the electric piano solo there. <laughs> His performance on there is so good. It makes it that that middle part is not just a guitar solo. It's a piano solo, too. Electric piano solo. I love it. It's cool. Well, then you flip the record and you get there it is. The name of the album. Hey, Jude. This was one that was new to me. Tell me a little (laughs) about this track. (laughs) And now freeze. Sing it. (laughs) Hey. Well, you know, I always need that pickup. Because I, I, I do go, hey, you know, I can't just, hey. <laughs> well, TJ, let me tell you about Hey Jude. It's it's a good song. Most most people consider it a good song by the Beatles, if not one of their best. Uh, I know it's a favorite of a lot of people's. It does not. It is not a favorite of mine. Who cares? It is a good song. It's a good song. This was written for Julian Lennon. Unbeknownst to him for like 20 years, it sounded like. This is during that time when John wanted nothing to do with his own son. He wanted to kind of start life again, reset with Yoko. Yeah, and poor Julian. He was this kind of like, Julian would say he hung out with Paul more as a kid. He has more memories of hanging out with Paul than his own dad. It's, it's really sad when, when you get down to it. Well, listen, Tony, I'm a dad. I'd much rather hang out with a random older woman and stare at an apple on a ladder than hang out with my kid. <laughs> Yes. If it said no or like, bug off, I wouldn't have done it. (laughs) Yeah, rip off. 
Rip off, right? Rip off. He gets a laugh. That's what the, is that the Dick Cavett show? It's one, one of, of those, those things. Because yeah, there's a studio those. audience laugh when he goes, rip off. People laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's a funny way. I always like rip off. Well, so Paul is is going to visit Cynthia. This is during that time, and it's going to be a hard time. And Paul sees that. Yeah, there's so much empathy here. This is a masterpiece from Paul. And it, hey, Jude is hey, Jules originally. And it's it's all for Julian saying like, hey, man, life is rough and I'm sorry. And you're just a kid. But, it, you know, stay positive. It's take this moment, you know, make it better. Lemonade, right? Well, and it Beyonce. was Beyonce. It, yes to that. That's a good Beyonce reference. <laughs> you know, uh, this was also originally written for young Jules Holland of Squeeze. It was hey, oh. Jules. <laughs> And Jules said, I want to hear the song, but I'm tempted not to. And then they wrote Tempted. <laughs> Jules Holland later interviewed Paul McCartney by a campfire and on a boat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was there for a lot of this. <laughs> he was there for the, the good stuff. <laughs> you know, Jules Holland talked about help, revolver, and rubber soul. Ding, ding. Hey, hey. Rubber soul. Hey, hey. Done that drop it a while. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this is having seen Paul in concert, I think 15 times. I've lost track at this point. This is his showstopper. This is his sit down, you're rocking the boat. This is his big number. And what's diminished, hey, Jude, for me, I love the original, but hearing Paul do it live and the whole now the people in the middle on the yeah. all the nanas, yeah. To other people down the other side like i get it it's built for it but it sure as hell wasn't written to be that and <laughs> hey jude for what it was versus hey jude for what it is now it's we talked about imagine a couple episodes ago it's become an anthem like imagine yeah i prefer there's a lot of songs paul does live that i'd rather hear live i don't need to hear hey jude live the studio recording of this stereo or mono or the really beautiful remix from the beatles one cd from a couple years ago when mm. they reissued one any way you want to hear this this song in its original iteration is gorgeous i think for a long time the longest song to ever be number one it was also the Beatles' biggest number one single, at least in yeah. the States. I think She Loves You still may hold the record in the UK for the Beatles. I'm not sure. But Hey Jude in the States was their biggest selling single. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart. Then you can start to make it better Hey Jude, don't be afraid You were made to go out and get her The minute you let her under your skin Well, in the Beatles story, when people are, you know, like an anthology or even complete Beatles, this song always seems to be used as the pinnacle of their achievements. This is like the highest point that they got to. And then after this song is when things fall apart. I'm not sure I agree with that, but that's always how it seems to be framed. Yeah. 
certainly an anthology. They start narrating over the end of this from the shoot, from the uh, where they brought everybody and a bunch of fans in to shoot. The video is still pretty awesome for this. Yeah. Um, and there's multiple takes. We talked a few episodes ago. I still can't tell how bored John Lennon is. I can't <laughs> tell if he's into it or not. But, yeah. you know, it's great footage. And, yeah, I mean, they weren't really the same after this. But it, to establish a causal relationship, they weren't not the same because of Hey Jude. It just so happened in their timeline that this is when they kind of began to wind down. It's all the more remarkable. This is a different episode, Tony, that Abbey Road came out the way it did. When you think about the way they're really starting to wind down, the fact that the last album they made together might be their best and one of the top two, three albums ever released is is still something that's so astonishing it's worthy of, of saying. Look how many bands fell apart in their last albums. CCR, Let It Be, was on the charts at the same time Willie and the Poor Boys, a great album was. CCR is at least their last album suck because Fogarty was fighting with his brother and and... and Stu Cook and you know all that that nonsense in CCR for the Beatles yeah. to be breaking up and have maybe their best album is another in the never ending list of astonishing Beatle moments. Yeah, and I think what you just said knocks that narrative out of the water. They got together at the end to make it as clean and glossy and beautiful as as they could and succeeded. Last thing on this from me, I think it's. Paul McCartney writing a song for John Lennon's son and acting as a de facto dad for John Lennon's son is so beautiful. I'm what a gift that John Lennon paid him back three years later by telling him to fuck off for five minutes on the Imagine album. That's just a really sweet move of John. <laughs> So before they released this song, the Apple store closed. And so they whitewashed everything, the windows, everything was painted white. And Paul got the idea in the middle of the night before the single was released to write, Hey Jude and Revolution, like scrape that into the, off of the whitewash so that it says that on, uh, well, here I have the quote right here. I went into Apple shop just before Hey Jude was being released. The windows were whited out and I thought, great opportunity, Baker Street. Sorry. <laughs> Tony used to think that it was so easy. I used to say that it was so easy. Good job crying. That's another like, is that the drive or me TV FM? You don't know. <laughs> yeah, it could be either. Uh, Baker Street. Millions of buses going around. So before anyone knew what it meant, I scraped Hey Jude out of the whitewash. A guy who had a delicatessen and Marylebone rang me up and he was furious. I'm going to send one of my sons around to beat you up. I said, hang on, hang on. What's this about? And he said, you've written Jude in the shop window. I had no idea it meant Jew. But if you look at footage of Nazi Germany, Juden Rausch was written in whitewashed windows with a star of David. I swear it never occurred to me. Paul Anthology. Yeah, and Ginkraus, which they later sang, actually means try the pastrami! <laughs> to book Jusical the Musical, contact us and we'll give you all the information you need to bring this great show to your venue. Another fun note real quick about this song. According to Paul, Ringo was in the bathroom for the first part of the take that they ended up using for the song. They did this eventually at Trident. They tried it out at Abbey Road which has some great footage, which we just saw recently about them working on it. And then they, they did it for real over at Trident. And I guess Ringo was in the bathroom when Paul started up, whatever it was. What inspired the biggest plot line at Broad Street? It's dark and cold. 
train never came. I thought it was a toilet. Well, next up is a song I actually prefer to Hey Jude. Oh, well, it's Old Brown Shoe. Just I as love big, this. Tony. Just, just as big. Amazing the album wasn't called Old Brown Shoe. <laughs> In my opinion, it should have been. But hey, man, I'm not Alan Klein and I don't make those decisions. I've always loved this song. Tony, me too. And for real, in the early era of Beatle collecting, like post-breakup, this song was in the Blue Album. This song was mm-hmm. elevated to a place of importance that didn't make this a random straight track. The song was looked at as canon for the Red and the Blue Albums. Yeah. Yeah, I've always liked this song. That's Paul on drums, man. Ringo, was uh, he was doing the Magic Christian. He was on set. So this is just a three-piece. It's John on piano. That's John on piano. And then George on the guitar and Paul on drums, who did his bass later on overdubbing it. But there's no other beat on a Beatles record like this beat. Oompa, oompa, oompa. And then it starts to swing a bit during the bridge. Yeah. Paul's a great drummer. I mean, listen to Band he on the is, Run. Man. Yeah, it's 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 just amazing. And no disrespect from Ringo, but some of the things Paul did on the Beatles tracks he played on, I don't know that Ringo could have done. Those fills on the fade out, he does this like three little like roll fills into the crash symbol. The snare rolls into the crash three times. I love it. I love it. I've yeah. always loved this song. I love the, the progression, the F to E7 to A minor. I love that. Yeah, I this love is a great that. one. It's a great George tune. He did it live when he did the Japan tour with Clapton before Clapton lost his fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then on that bridge, there's a diminished chord in there. I think it's an F sharp diminished. It goes from like F to F sharp diminished into the Who G. Who knows, baby, you make it right there. Yeah. 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 I've always loved this song. I will continue to love it. And I, uh, Conan O'Brien's version is pretty fun, too. <laughs> I want to love this ride, but ride is only half of what's wrong. I want to show head girls sometimes when it's twice as long. Yeah! I'm stepping out this old brown shoe. Baby, I'm loving you. So glad you came here. It won't be the same now, I'm telling you. Yeah, he does a really nice version of this in that tribute that Danny Harrison put together. There's lots of good stuff in there. The guy Brett Daniels from Spoon is on there. There's a lot of a lot of good people on that that tribute show. I also love the falsetto vocals at the end. They sound like cats to me. 
Oh yeah, totally. Are you blind when you're born? Can you see in the dark? Did you da 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 and pee on his throne? Did you go for a walk and you didn't come home? Jellicle songs for Jellicle. I mean, no, not not my cup of tea. Now and forever. Now and forever. At the if, Windsor Garden. If you like actors dressed in a cat costume touching you, no, I don't. Why am I here? Um. And it's frustrating because the live in Japan version, this is a song that at the end becomes Vegasized. The background singers go, oh, yeah. yeah. It's a little too kind of missing the point of that. It's, it feels like a Vegas show band. But uh, yeah, I love the song too, Tony. And like I said, thank God for the Blue Album. I don't know what young people getting into the Beatles now know, but it was a great starting point for people our age, a little older, a little younger. Those Red and Blue Albums kind of told you what was important. So much Rubber Soul on that Red Album, not enough Revolver. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this song being in the Blue Album will always kind of feel, it's not buried on past masters for me. It's it's a substantial track because it's on the greatest hits. Totally. Also on the Blue Album that was on this one, uh, actually the rest of these songs are all on the Blue Album, Don't Let Me Down. We've talked about this one before. Of course, we talked about it on Let It Be Naked as we prefer the the rooftop uh, edit, I think because they used two different takes. They used two takes. I, the ELO version is my favorite. <laughs> I'll tell you before, because I walked out the door. Don't bring, don't bring me down. And they sing their tribute to Springsteen. Bruce. Don't bring me down. You know, the story on that real quick is that I think the original lyric is garouche or it's it's a made up gobbledygook word. But now, because everyone sings Bruce, he sings Bruce live in concert when he says that. What a what a quitter. (laughs) Jeff Lynn, what a coward. (laughs) This is a great song. Don't let me down. I think it's in my top 10 of all, all time Beatles favorite songs. It has that weird Lennon meter in the verse that somehow makes sense you know it it shouldn't make sense but it does make sense i don't know if he's in 12 or something like that but it's not just straight four four there's something else going on there nobody ever loved me like she does oh she does yes she does and if somebody loved me like she do me Yeah, this is a top five, top ten for me. I mean, this one, I do prefer the the Frankenstein version from um, Let It Be Naked. I feel like his voice is just more raw and the harmonies with Paul at the top are so nice. But this track is so good. Billy Preston's organ is so good. I love everything about this song. Yeah, lyrically, there's a lot at stake here for John. He's basically saying like, yeah, man, I have committed to you, Yoko. We got naked. We've literally exposed ourselves to the world right now. I'm putting all my chips in with this thing we're doing here. Please don't let me down. 
And he's using, he asked Ringo to hit those crash cymbals so hard to give him the courage to be able to scream that. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Hey. He put all his chips in, and that's why Yoko, their code names were Ponch and John. <laughs> Let the chips fall where they may. God, I love that show. I love the one season. Chips and Dukes of Hazard both had different leads for one year. Where yeah, the, the stars end. wanted contract disputes. And it was like, instead of Bo and Luke, it was like Steve and Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should have just switched places. Just <laughs> <laughs> That would have solved everything. <laughs> well, the, the album Hey Jude closes with the ballad of John and Yoko. Famously, just John and Paul, which means that on this single, Ballad of John and Yoko, B-Side, Old Brown Shoe, Ringo is not on it at all. Pete Best finally got his revenge. Thanks, Steckler. <laughs> Best, Steckler. This week at the Fest for Beetle fans. I'd see that, the panel. <laughs> it was hastily recorded after being written on April 14th, excuse me, 1969. I thought this is great. I mean, it's not one of my favorites. John always called it uh, journalism. Johnny B. Paperback writer, he said at the time. But I, I do like this song. I really like that break. I mean, Paul's drumming is good. It's solid. I like where he chose to do that break. And I love that simple snare hit going back into the... After Think. Yeah. Kink, kink, kink. Yeah, it's so good. It's, I love this. I've always loved this song. like a Spanish quality to it too, which is kind of cool. I always picture him wearing, I picture him wearing what he's wearing in the Hey Jude cover when I th hear yes. this song, right? Yeah, it's journalism. It's about him getting married and all that. And uh, this was one of the songs that was left off of like Spanish pressings of this album because of the whole crucifixion thing and because of Gibraltar. Yeah. It was under like Franco rule or something like that. So they didn't want anything to do with the... Gibraltar mentioned. <laughs> yeah. I love this one. It's a good one. There are very few covers I prefer to the originals. I would, by a hair, take the Rosie O'Donnell version with Tom Arnold. <laughs> Why wasn't that a past masters? Why does a liberal media hate Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell, did I say? I meant you Roseanne did. Barr. <laughs> How come they can't get their Rosies right on this dumb show? <laughs> Too many Rosies. <laughs> Too many Rosies. <laughs> Red Rosie Speedway. <laughs> to 
me, side two makes more sense than side one. But uh, it's a weird little record to me. I think it's great. I'll listen to it. I'll put it on. It's not a bad record. They're all great songs. Yeah, I, I, I love it. The demand for this Tony was so high that Parlophone in the UK eventually released it because the import copies of this were selling. So Parlophone said, let's why should we lose money on this? So this was eventually brought to the uh, British catalog. This is another one when we've done our U.S. Capitol records. It is so important. I say to every time we do this, Tony. This album sold millions of copies. This album was not in print between the final cassette issue in 1992 and the Capitol albums in 2014. You could not buy a new, I mean, used stock, sure, or new old stock, sure, but you could not buy a new pressing of this from 92 to 2014 of one of the biggest selling records in American music history. It's insane. So now you can buy a CD in the box set too, but they, the replica is great. It's got the apple on the back. I don't believe the label says Beatles again. It says Hey Jude on it. That would have been a nice touch. Yeah, that would have been funny. The CD label said Beatles again. But yeah, Hey Jude's on CD now. There's really no need for it because you can hear all the songs. But if you're into the tactile collecting stuff like I am, it's really fun to have this on CD. There you go. Can't stream it, but you can buy it. And uh, it's out there. Find it on Discogs or wherever you purchase music. It's nice for musicians to get music. I'm sorry. Is, is that Disc Hogs like the Redskins fans? <laughs> no, like the Washington. No, what are they called now? Yeah, the, they... Washington, the WFT, the Washington football team. <laughs> they didn't decide. No, that was the uh, Cleveland changed their name. That's right. All right. Whatever. <laughs> um. Well, that was fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you like us, feel free to like and subscribe on our, you know, just, you know, push the buttons that say subscribe. We appreciate that. And uh, yeah, reach out to us on Facebook. We're out there. I'm Tony Mendoza. Hey, TJ. Don't make this podcast end. Make this podcast just last forever. We're doing all seven minutes, folks. <laughs> Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>